Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast, and thank you very much for listening. I am your host, Ryan Carruthers, and um, I have an incredible show lined up for you today. We are sponsored by Land Insight, as always, which is the ultimate tool for people to find all the deals which they need. It's something that I use on an almost daily basis. I use it to find land and work through comparables and find heights of nearby buildings, etc., etc. It's a really, really cool tool. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, then please do hit subscribe. And if you do get like one tiny, tiny nugget from this podcast, which I'm sure you do because we have some great people coming on, then please do leave me a review. So today's show, I saw a post from Brendan Quinn last week and I read all of Brendan's posts and I saw this and I saw the photo to go with it and I was hooked. I clicked on the link to see the website. I found out what I wanted to know about it and just loved it. And I sent this lady a message because I wanted to get her on the podcast and chat about it. She's got an incredible model and it looks so good. So today I have Jane Scruggs. How are you doing today, Jane? Hi, Ryan. I'm very well. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. I know that I saw the uh, the Podville link and was just blown away with how amazing it looks. I'm sure we're going to get onto that. But for people who don't know you, why don't you just give them a, a brief introduction and a background to sort of who you are? Sure. Well, um, I suppose most people would know me um, working with Nicole Bremner, East 8. I was part of the state team raising, um, I think we raised about five and a half million of, on, on crowdfunding on simple equity. So my background really is in, in property, not necessarily hands-on like it is now, but I had that experience working with Nicole. And so obviously I, I picked up quite a lot from her and also on the investor relations side and that all added to my property um, passion really. Before that I worked with an AIM-listed commercial property fund. I helped the founder um, grow the company and we invested in Asia and um, Germany. So I worked with them for about five years. He was a a property entrepreneur and um, that also sort of gave me the, um, the foundations I suppose. And yeah, I've, 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 I suppose I've been property networking for quite a while and through Nicole as well, I met some interesting people, came up with some um, wonderful ideas, which I never really actioned until, until Podville, to be honest. So this is the first time I have got my hands into a, a project. I mean, I've done my own refurbs and things just for myself, but I have a, a design background as well. I'm a um, a qualified jeweller and silversmith. I have a degree and a higher national diploma on the technical side. Um, I studied jewellery and silversmithing for five years, so I've, I've got a bit of a, an arty background. Yeah. And so this project in, in uh, the Podville Container Project has been really a combination of a passion for property and the design. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, it's now completed, and I'm happy to talk more about it today. So thank you for the opportunity. No, I mean, it's an incredible project and one that I'm definitely going to want to talk to you about. But just you, sounds like you've been surrounded by some, some really, really good people with some successful track records. It's just interesting. Just one quick question is what, what did you learn from them? Well, lots of things, actually. I have always worked with um, entrepreneurs. I've never really had a corporate life or I've always worked for small small businesses, really entrepreneurially minded people. So I have learned lots about resilience 
Yeah. Um, I've learned about being focused and and actually I think the main takeaway is being having self-belief. Yeah. All the people I've worked for, it doesn't matter. I think if you've got self-belief and and you really value what who you are and what you bring to the to the table, I think that is the key the key thing. And and with that, I guess comes the focus and the drive. Um, and obviously, a good business idea and solving people's problem problems and bringing value to people is is the cherry on top, really. Um, so I think that's been the the key. That that's been the main um, takeaway, I guess, from working with these these um, visionary entrepreneurs. Incredible. And then so then that that led to this amazing amazing development. So then, in a nutshell, what is what is Podville? Podville is a development of shipping container offices down in Bristol and there's 14 40 foot high cube containers and so probably get a bit technical on the on the container side here so bear with me um, I have a passion for containers <laughs> I'm definitely a geek um, it, so we we had a, a vision a few years ago to to create something with shipping containers and so um, I'll, I'll talk more about a bit more about how it, it came about but essentially the we have we had a plot of land which lent itself to to having some containers on it um so we built we started small um and we built 14 containers 12 of which are office spaces so individual private offices that are let out to small businesses entrepreneurs startups and we have a sort of a communal breakout space with meeting pods and a boardroom uh, in one container, and then a sort of a services and facilities container for, for all the, the employees. So it's uh, we tried to create it in a um, make a, a community, I guess, a community for entrepreneurs. So perhaps people that have been in a co-working environment and love that collaboration with other businesses. But once their own office space, their own name above the door, their own private Wi-Fi network, um, their own parking space, to have a bit more of an identity when they're entertaining clients or just as a business. So that's that's why we created Podville, and it's it's in an office park um, which we also converted at the same time, which is a, a building called now called Powerhouse. And that's uh, seven, six and a half thousand square feet of what was sui generis um, space converted into offices now. So they all sit quite happily on one sort of site down in, in North Bristol. Amazing. So what what sort of difficulties did you face with, with planning with this then? So this is something <laughs> that's completely new to me. You know, it's funny, I get asked, I mean, I always get asked this similar questions and I understand why you know, people <laughs> think that's, you know, wow, how did you get that through planning? But do you know what? We had absolutely no problem at all. And I feel very blessed to say this. Yeah. <laughs> we we um, had an architect who, we chose an architect who had already got a site through planning and it had been constructed down in Bristol, a similar site, which is called Boxworks by Engine Shed, which is in Temple Meads, central Bristol, um, a really cool space, actually, containers. I think they've got about 20 containers there. So we saw that they'd done that and we, we thought, well, why not get the architect who did that? You know, they know what they're doing. They obviously have a, a connection with the planners, although actually those... Um, they're actually um, come under Bristol Council. We come under South Gloucestershire. 
but you know the neighbouring um, councils, the architects obviously have the experience of getting a, a, a project through planning. So we didn't actually have any problem, and we didn't have any. The only planning conditions we had was was um, parking and cycle spaces. So it, we absolutely sailed through. So I'm. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that we, you know, and be able to share the struggles, obviously, because we I feel very grateful that we we had such success. But um, I don't know how how it how it fares with other people, and I think it depends on the site, obviously, the use, um, where we were. It was just a natural fit, to be honest. Mm. And we also we also had success with planning permission for a site in Milton Keynes as well. The same thing. We haven't built them out yet, but we're hoping to do that later this year. And that's oh, for yeah. twenty three containers. The same the same thing, slightly different configuration. We're still working on the configuration. Having done the one in Bristol, we now see how we might need to adjust the one in Milton Keynes. But that equally no problem. We we had to do a you know conditions like materials and um, ground investigation report but nothing nothing difficult so again we're very very blessed I think with that mm, definitely and I think by doing one you learn everything that you need to do and now you're taking that into the uh, into the next one in Milton Keynes which is incredible so what's the what was the biggest frustration that you learned then um, or the biggest takeaway that you learned over doing this development? <laughs> there are many, many frustrations, my goodness. Oh, and it's so nice to look back at it and see it finished now. And you almost forget the times where you were just so frustrated. Um, but yeah, there were many times. Um, I think it was such a learning curve because we want we could easily have got several of the, the container fit-out companies to, to build them for us which was an option we we priced it out and we decided that in the end we would do it ourselves so we had um, a team of carpenters builders laborers um, all different types of people working on the site we decided not to contract it out to anybody mm -hmm. uh, we had a we had a, a you know a contractor that provided the work for us but we took it all on board to do ourselves so that obviously took a lot longer um, being novices and doing it in a slower way probably not as well sequenced as we could have done but we wanted to really learn how you do it how you convert shipping containers into into anything really <laughs> so because <laughs> if you don't know how to do it then you know you're not really progressing are you so we knew that it would take longer we weren't sure whether we would be able to do it cheaper we thought we would because some of the quotes we got were astronomical for a shell really so we have proved that we can do it more cheaply in terms of the, the conversion um so i guess the time it took was frustrating um but equally we were you know we, we realized that it was an opportunity to learn from our mistakes learn how to do it so that was the main frustration um other than that i don't think we maybe with the parking and, and trying to configure the, the site getting the configuration right was a challenge we had overhead cables so a lot of the um, high abs the vehicles that you can deliver a container on they refused to come into the site so we had to make sure we had the containers configured in the right way on the right um, area of the land 
So other than that, we, we didn't have too much frustrations, too many frustrations, thankfully. Um, but maybe I'm looking back with rose tinted glasses now. <laughs> well, it's either, <laughs> yeah, it's either that or you've just been, you know, you are you are you are a very competent lady anyway, but you've got a very good team ar- around you. How did you pull this team together then and what did it look like? Well, um, so I have a business partner who I've known for quite a long time. Um, we worked together for a number of years. And um, we sort of had, he had the idea, he had the land and he bought the land um, several years ago um, and had rented it out um, as in the main building that was on the site. And the, the land was essentially car parking. And so he sort of said, oh, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. I said, well, why don't we put containers in the car park? We came up with the idea. I came up with the, the design concept because I think you need to have in that particular area of Bristol it's quite um there's a lot of bland business parks or business um centers there Mm. so we knew we'd have to come up with something different to make it appealing and um so we said right let's go for it so we we just started there really the team he'd worked with previously on some of his own projects and some of them were, were family um, so it was a real close-knit group, to be honest, um, and people that he already knew um, and I, I knew of, but I had never worked with before. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a sort of a, an effort from friends and, and uh, contacts and friends of friends, and um, which was great. And we sort of, we didn't necessarily have a project manager, which I think was one thing in hindsight we will go back and do on the next project is definitely have a project manager to keep a very tight ship because i i'm in north london i travel a lot to spain because my partner lives in spain so i spend a lot of time out there so i couldn't be a project manager on the site but i was more of a working on the desk from the desk ordering um, coordinating while while um, the the guy the site manager was on on the ground uh, running it so it was a, a combined effort, really. Uh, my business partner, he, he lives in, um, in Monaco, so he's, he's not really there very often. So yeah. <laughs> he's not hands-on. He just, you know, he, he's got the idea. He, he's got a big background in developing in, in commercials and residential, but he didn't have time to, to, get, um, to get involved. Really. He's got too many other much bigger projects going on. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a real learning curve, actually, I have to say, in terms of managing um, a team, managing a process, and, and, underst- and I learned so much about development, to be honest. Mm, well, I mean, I think managing a team is always difficult, and then when you take that a step further as well, and then that team becomes the trade, it's even more difficult, um, because they are a breed on themselves. I love them. Yes. Like I, it's, <laughs> it's my my favorite. I'm happiest when I am on a building site and I am managing a team of builders. Um, I'm really sadistic like that. <laughs> you must be. <laughs> I know. I think, do you know what? I've always grown up around them. Um, my dad used to be a builder and his friends were builders. A lot of my friends are in the trades. They're electricians and plumbers and plasterers, etc. So I've just always been around them. So I I understand their humour and 
but getting them to work can be such a pain sometimes, can't it? <laughs> oh, you know, we had, we were really lucky actually with the guys we had. Um, they were good fun, and I think I think it's just making sure it, it's that balance between communicating what needs to be done, but not giving too much information that that um, people then try and do things their own way. So we we it, that was a, that was challenging actually to try and show them the vision and um, sell them the vision of what we were doing, um, but also manage um, how that was done. Um, because obviously when, when you tell people you're doing this and it, it's a new thing for us as, as it is for them, yeah. you know, a lot of people then say, well, we could do this and we could do this. And they kind of go off at a bit of a tangent and think, well, this would look good. We could put this steel here and let's paint it that color. And you think, Oh my God, you know, and the, Maybe not. You, you you have to say, right, well, actually, this is what we're doing and, and bring it back in. And it's nice that everyone gets excited and on board and has their own flair with it. But equally, um, it was my responsibility to say, no, we're having these colours and it's looking like that. And here's the pictures and this is what's got to happen. But I really appreciate that you're you're feeling like you're really part of this and enjoying it. Um, and, and, and also... For me, the hours were, were getting to Bristol for eight o'clock in the morning when you live in North London is quite a challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to do that one to two times a week. And, and so I'm lucky I'm an early bird, so I'm, I'm fine with that. But yeah, yeah, the traffic, the M25 at uh, at 5.30 in the morning, six in the morning is, is, um, is probably one of the biggest frustrations I had for the project with the project. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been stuck on that road a few times and you just, uh, it's just horrendous. Um, yeah. I try not to drive down that way as, as little as possible. How, um, how did you communicate the vision to the builders then? Because this must have been really interesting for you and them to, to hear this. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I mean, I'm quite good at. I'm quite good at sort of getting excited about what I'm doing, and so I, I you know, I'd talk to them. I'd show them what we were doing with the with the carpet samples or the photos. My, I was, I love a mood board, so I was always creating mood boards and showing them. I think they they thought I was mental, but you know, <laughs> maybe I am. But. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just talking about the paint colours, you could see them going, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that. But I'm very good at, I can really visualise what I'm doing. So I've, I've always been able to do that. So I can see exactly what I can create in my mind. Um, other people can't necessarily. So I think it's a case of just going, hey, guys, yeah, playing along with them, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind if they're sort of laughing at me. I can take that. But yeah. at the end of the day, I say, yeah, I get it. But yeah, we're doing this, by the way. Um, so using visuals, um, we didn't have exact plans either. So we we just it was we didn't have full drawings, M and E drawings or anything. Um, at the end of the day, it's a box, isn't it? You you know you yeah. stack them together. You're doing you're doing them all the same. So you do one, you work out how it goes. We we tried to do a test container first, actually, and um, but that we started on that. But by the time we we got underway with that, we just got on with all of them. So it was all a bit of a test, to be honest. Amazing. So some of the interior, I'm, the interior finishings, I might change now for the next one. But um, but it all worked out pretty well, to be honest. Mm. So why would you change the interiors? What did you learn that you'd like to do differently? 
Um, I think it's important to um, get the right frame inside a container. So if we're going into the technical side, you've got the strength in a shipping container is in the corners. Mm. I mean, you've got 40 foot between the corners, or 12 and a half meters between the corners, and you cut the side out of the container. You know, the strength is really in the corrugation of the side of the container is holding it, is, is giving it its strength, actually. So once you cut that out, you need to then um, make sure you've got the right seals in place to keep the frame rigid. Um, and inside, if you're hanging your interiors, your, your, your plasterboard or whatever you've got inside your interior partitions on a frame, that needs to be secure within the container. So you need to make sure you've got the right structure inside. Um, we, we, we um, I think we basically trial and error, but we've got a pretty good system now how we, how we um, can frame the container. So yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, how would I change the, yeah, I think flooring, things like flooring, you know, we, we chose a dark black, a black flooring. And actually, you know, we put that in near the beginning, which was stupid because then obviously we spent about six months trying to clean the thing with all the dust. Um, just little things I would probably, if I was doing it again and I had that sole decision, I would probably use trunking, a galvanized trunking and not yep. have it behind the walls just to make it easier. I, do, I guess it depends on what you're, you're creating. I mean, for office, it, you, can, you can do that. For retail, obviously, then you've got to have a, a you're going to have an external fit-out person anyway come in and do their own thing. So it, it, you have a much basic, more basic shell. Um, but certain things I would definitely have done differently. Um, but I think pretty much we, we, we nailed it, you know, in terms of sequence. Um, there were no big errors. There was no huge delay um, in, in one particular error anyway. Wow. Did, did yeah. very well. Yeah, we did all right. <laughs> what does um, so? Is it completely finished and tenanted now? Then, what does it look like now in today's today's time? Yeah, we're we're trying to fill it with tenants. We we finished it in May, so the first tenant moved in at the beginning of May. It wasn't quite finished, but they knew that. Um, so we've been finishing it around them, and they've been amazing. You know, they've been really helpful with feedback and and patient as well. Mm. Um, so my that's my current goal now my current role should I say is um, marketing officer which is not necessarily my forte that's been an interesting um, learning curve about digital marketing and um, <laughs> SEO and, and, and social media I mean I, I obviously I've had a bit of experience in social media but trying to think of content for something that you've been working on for you know well I suppose it's two years from concept to completion to suddenly step away and see everything differently with different eyes is quite challenging actually mm. so that's my current role is filling it with tenants so we have a couple of agents on board um, who are doing their bit and uh, yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm taking that role on at the moment but we've got viewings booked and um, in interest so uh, and the other office on the site is now fully let which was their four bigger office units traditional you know so um, rent them by the square foot kind of office with a with a, a, a shell fit out which actually looks really good too we made that quite funky to attract people there rather than the usual basic um plasterboard finish 
Mm. So that will also hopefully bring in more tenants. Um, but it's it's something we we took a bit of a punt on it really because you can never quite know with something like that. You know, is it gonna is it gonna be a success? Is it gonna be a failure? Um, but we obviously spoke to a few agents. We looked at what was around. There's a very big business center, well, quite a few business, big business centers around us. There's a big site called Aztec West, which is a huge office area in Bristol, which is down the road. So we knew there were lots of small businesses wanting to be in that area. So adding on with a you know quite a creative, collaborative environment, we you know we pretty much think we're you know we we're going to be very successful in letting it, but it might take time to to fill it. Mm. Uh, it's about getting known in the market, really. So that's my current role is spreading the word. Oh man, and having I have quite a history in, in the internet marketing world and it is a oh. whole different world. It is, yeah. I thought it takes up all my time at the moment. <laughs> it's so time consuming. I don't think people actually realise how much time you spend doing stuff, especially creating content. Creating content is such a job. It is, yeah. I mean luckily I've got some I've had some great tips from um from some wonderful people in the property world who have background in, in digital marketing. And our brand, our branding guy, Simon, who's a, a longtime friend of mine, is coming up with some good ideas. So um, I've, I've been very blessed to have a lot of people give me some tips, which I've, I'm acting on now. So, mm. yeah, so hopefully that, that, will, uh, that will encourage even more people to come on board. Well, I mean, if they had one of these... In Lincoln, I would move into it today. As yeah. soon as I saw it, I just thought that is incredible. It's the kind of place that I would love to to be in, and I think it's oh, a great community you. as well. And it, it can be quite it's quite boring and lonely working on your own all the time. So to be able to have a different environment to work in like that would would be incredible. Um, yeah, I think so. And you know, I was chatting the other night with. Um, a guy called um, Quasi, I don't know if you've met him, Quasi Afam, and we were talking about uh, one of the events that he hosts. We were talking about um, community spaces, and I thought, my goodness. And he, well, actually, he said, you know, it was, he said it was very lonely being a, an entrepreneur in property. Mm. And he actually went back into a full time career. And I thought, well, there are so many co working places out there and hubs, and, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a property, a property hub? So maybe the next one might be Property Podville, where you have. You know, just property people collaborating with each other and, and uh, bouncing ideas. It's another 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 one for the for the list. Definitely, <laughs> I think I think that's great. I've actually looked at a new office myself, and there's a couple of other people in property in Lincoln who are also of a similar sort of age and self-employed. You know, we've got an investment sales guy, a, a letting agent, uh, and a new homes. Um, guy as well and it's like shall we just all not rent an office together none of us are competing with each other and we can all pass each other business and actually have more fun and not be all working on our own or having to go to starbucks because it's the only place where there's people and decent wi-fi yeah exactly it's a great idea i think i think especially in property you know it's so important to have the connections around you and you just inspire each other and you can you know you can I think that's where office is moving. Well, I know it's where it's moving. I mean, you've you got so many co-working spaces popping up. And I think that's, I love that model. I love the, the collaborative um, aspect of it. 
Um, and I think especially in property, we all network quite heavily in property, especially in London. And um, I mean, that's my experience. I haven't, I haven't been up to your area necessarily to, to mm. network, but I know there's strong groups all around the country where people get together and share ideas. So, hey, why not do it in a, in a building? I think it'd be brilliant. I'd love to do it. And yeah, <laughs> just talking to you, I'm just like, where can I put shipping containers in Lincoln now? <laughs> where can I do that? Oh, there's always a juicy spot. But the interesting thing is you've got to what what's really key is is getting the site that has um either obviously if you buy it then great, but if you're leasing a site, you need to really think about the le- the lease length because containers aren't much as people like to think i mean they shouldn't contain at the end of the day but it's not always um as it's not always um, as cost effective as maybe a standard build or a standard construction it depends what you're doing obviously but they don't come in you know a lot cheaper than um other methods so you've got to make sure that you can you know get your capital out as soon as you can really Uh, a lot of a lot of the projects that you see up and down the country quite often are, are not profit making for a long time um, and a lot of them rely on the fact they're going to get an, an, a, a lease extension on the land or if they're temporary planning then they hope that they're going to get another um, another few years um, so sometimes there you need to really do your, your numbers on the site um, so when you're looking for a site for containers you have to really look at the lease length as well as obviously the other constraints and making sure it works financially as well as from a development perspective. I think that's a really, really key point. So what kind of things were you sort of looking at then when you were pulling all of this together, sort of appraising it and stability? Well, yeah, I've, I mean, I've looked at, since we developed Bristol, and actually while we were developing Bristol, I was, always, I was looking at new sites. We've got the one in Milton Keynes, but that was already in in, in there. Um, we already had that site anyway. That's part of a bigger office park. Um, so I guess it's sites where, like you know, like that. So a site where it's part of another another piece of land, you know, that's in use for the same use. So if it's an office park, maybe they've got a car park with extra space that's just not needed. Mm. Uh, or you know, the great thing about containers is that you can put them in different way you can stack them or you can have them at angles or you can have small ones big ones you can squeeze them into small spaces and providing you can access obviously you know with the, with the crane or whatever um so they're really they're really great for funky spaces you know you can do all kinds of things with them and and, and be creative with them but obviously you've got to think about um parking and accessibility and and the quality of the ground you're putting them on Um, the idea is to not have to dig foundations because then obviously it's an extra cost and you don't necessarily need to with containers you're just going to make sure they've got um pad stones if or or you might have to you might have to put some foundations under each corner but you don't necessarily need a slab for them because as i said the strength is in the corners so um, it's just assessing all of those sites and actually accessibility. You know, if you're looking at office, is it in a good place for office? Is it better to do it? Is there a good site for retail rather than office? There's so many permutations. Um, and obviously, you know, what's the price of the, of the land? You know, and how long can you get the land for? So we did 
quite a lot of research uh, on different areas. We're still looking actually um, all around the southeast. I mean, I'd love to go up to Lincoln, but I don't know that I can actually travel that far and, and do a good job. <laughs> oh, actually, you can jump on the train at King's Cross and be here within an hour and a half. Oh, really? God, it's quicker than Bristol then. Exactly. Oh, well, maybe we'll start looking at Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually doing some consulting on a, a couple of other container projects, um, so which is super exciting, and then they're not in, in my area at all. So I'm still involved somehow, um, but I would love to do another one, um, maybe a retail, that would be fun. Hmm. Yeah, and then it's it's almost you have to do more of a basic. You can do a basic fit out there and pass it on to the shop fitter, obviously. Yeah, and then get some good leases on there as well. Get some good covenants in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think with retail, I know it's the market, the retail landscape's not looking particularly healthy at the moment. But I think with pop ups and small units, especially food, um, food retail, oh. that's that's quite strong, I believe. Um, it goes um, back to the community element of it, doesn't it? If you can create a pop-up where there's a really cool community around there and the people who are wanting to spend time there in that community, it's mm-hmm. going to be a success. Well, exactly. And I think a lot of I think containers are great for testing that market. So for, for large developers that want to test what to put on their land in the future, you know, big 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 developers might have a site for five, even ten years before they build on it. Putting up a container project, a pop-up project, almost you can you can build that community around you, and then come in with your development, and you're almost testing what's what's um, what's needed in that area before you've even committed to the, the actual build. And um, mm-hmm. so it can be a great test model, putting a few containers on a site, and um, becoming known as a, a community hub or a food hub, or almost growing an area. Um, before you've even actually built on it. So, you know, this, that's why I love containers. They're super versatile. They solve lots of problems. They give lots of opportunities for landowners and developers to, to create income from. Um, but you've obviously got to do your, do your research, get the right people to help you. And if you want to do it yourself, great, but just recognise that it will take probably three times longer than actually if you get someone to help you that's done it before. <laughs> I've got um, lists of questions in front of me and you are as you're talking you are literally just answering the next question or another question I had it's absolutely brilliant I love it when I do things like this Uh, it's just so good Uh, a question I've been asking people recently in the last few interviews is completely away from the project we're talking about or their Mm -hmm. their job um it's, it's really nice as well, this question, to, to find out what people actually do. And it's, it's how do you chill out and relax? Oh, I love that. Yeah, um, it's good, that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's so, super important. I am brilliant at um, doing that. I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm always successful, but I'm brilliant at trying. I do – I'm quite um, – it's quite important to me to have my, my me time. Mm. I don't have kids. I'm I I, well, I live on my own, but I share my time between Spain and here, so I have a lot of time on my own. And I I me- I do try and meditate. So I, I always wake up. I have a very strict routine. I wake up at five thirty every day, 
I do probably 45 minutes of journaling, um, meditate if my mind doesn't go crazy with all the things that I need to think about for the day. <laughs> I, the gym for me is, um, is not so much about the fitness, it's more about the mindset. So I have my most sort of enlightening moments, enlightened moments when I'm actually on the cross trainer. <laughs> Um, just focusing on my breath and, and everything that's going on in, in me rather than around me. And that sets me up for my day. I do a lot of reading. I listen a lot to audiobooks, um, always on mindset and growth and consciousness and awareness. And, um, yeah, also love, you know, going on and Pinterest and going crazy with the design side of things. Um, that's kind of what I do to chill out, really. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I found now now it's so important to to not always be busy. I think it's yeah. letting the flow happen and let the things drop into your awareness and actually let the opportunities come to you rather than forcing them and pushing them and trying to be busy and hardworking. And, and I think I've learned that. You know, I'm, I'm in my early 40s now and I think 20-odd years of work and, and working with entrepreneurs – and seeing all the challenges, I've learned quite a lot. I'm not saying I'm, I'm definitely not an expert, for sure. Um, but I've taken a lot of a lot away from working with these people, um, and seeing how they chill. And uh, yeah, it's been it's, uh, it's it's very important. I have to say, is to have your your chill time. I think it's massive. You know, I I've, I don't I've never really bought into this always always hustling gotta be working sort of mentality for me i'm i'm, I'm super to, super productive and it, but in short bursts so i know that i'm going to have a burst where i'm going to get loads done but then i'm going to have an hour where i'm going to do something that's for me whether that's going golf or interesting enough meditation is one that i've, I've started doing sort of over the last year um very much have noticed that my awareness is dropping and uh, I'm not always present in the moment. I don't know whether that's because my mind is 100 miles an hour anyway, but since meditating, it's sort of changed that and I'm more aware and I actually, it's it's amazing and I love it and I love being present in that moment now. Well, that's great, isn't it? It's, in fact, that you've got the awareness that you aren't always present is is actually being present mm. and that- and I think what it is is an acceptance of how you are and who you are and how you work because I think there's so many with there's so many people out there doing amazing things and you know property and, and outside of property obviously but it's so easy to compare yourself with what you see on social media you know oh, you've got this development that person's succeeding here and they've got this going on and it's so important to know what works for you like you said Mm. you work brilliantly in short bursts but you also need to have your away time and I think honoring that and accepting that and that's you how you work and who you are is the key really not Mm. trying to sit at your desk just to stab away at your keyboard just because you feel like you should be doing your hours of whatever Um, and sometimes maybe you are more productive at night or in the morning or you know you need a day off you know actually just provided this podcast with you I actually went to the park yeah amazing park near me and because I've been away I hadn't really I love going there and I always feel so um 
kind of oh just nourished actually just by being in the park and there were baby ducks there and it was just all lovely and twee and sunny and <laughs> and I think things like that if you know that you need to be in a, it's all about raising your state um and yes. feeling that that kind of high vibration and that helps so much for things to flow in my in my business life it, it, it so does and I'm currently reading the free to focus book by Michael Hyatt and he yeah. is so I mean that book is incredible I recommend it to everybody um, and it's all about getting your your compass right so you do the things that you are actually going to succeed at and it, it's just an amazing book and there was a, a study in there about if you work every hour you work over 50 hours actually makes you less productive and you get less productivity from from yourself by a considerable amount as well um so i I echo that point where you said you don't need to just be sat at the keyboard just for the sake of it i have to buy that one oh it's a good book really 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 good there's a good podcast as well from michael hyatt um which is is pretty good so is there anything you think i should have asked you but i haven't oh um that's a good question no, I think I think um, I think you've covered it all. <laughs> Probably come up with something afterwards and think, oh yeah, that's a good one. But you know, I'm I'm always here to to sort of um, answer questions if anyone wants to get in touch on social media. Obviously, uh-huh. if anyone's got a burning question, and um, I'm doing a few talks and things, and um, so I can I can always cover anything anyone wants to know in one of the talks as well. Fantastic. So if people do want to get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to get you? Um, I am on, my favourite is Instagram, actually. I love the pretty pictures. So I'm on Instagram as James World. And also you can see the Podville Instagram page, which is add Podville office. So regularly posting on there. I'm on Facebook as me and also Podville, LinkedIn. I'm trying to cover all of them now. So um yeah, you can find me through Podville or through me on social media. Fantastic. So I'm going to let you go and have a great rest of your day with whatever you're doing in it. And um, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs>